Welcome to another episode of Peers Over Beers, your favorite digital and social evangelist podcast with your industry veteran hosts, Chris Tetzel. This podcast starts now. All right. Welcome to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Tetzel and I'm Nicole Saunders. Hey, Nicole. How's it going? It's good. It's Friday. I'm heading into a, a week off, so doing well. I love weeks off. You got anything fun planned for that? Uh, you know, it's going to be a little staycation. It's just kind of a regroup after a busy <laughs> work travel season. Uh, we had a bunch yeah. of Zendesk had some showcases and we had some offsites and I was in New York and I was in San Francisco and then I was back and forth a couple of times. So I'm just looking forward to a week at home, trying some new recipes, reading some books, maybe getting ready for the holidays. I think it'll be a nice break. That's great. Anything good that you're going to be cooking up from a recipe standpoint? So one of my coworkers said that she went and uh, stayed in her family's cabin a couple weeks ago and did homemade cinnamon rolls. And I was like, well, Mm. that sounds delightful. I'm going to try that. So I think I'm going to do that. And I might test out some stuffing recipes to get ready for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Um, I love cinnamon rolls, especially like freshly made, you know, uh, and I can imagine homemade. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, I've never done it. So we'll see. But it's good to try new things. How are you doing this week, Chris? I'm good. Kind of the opposite of you. Like I will be going on vacation like the Thanksgiving, but uh, we have an offsite meeting in San Francisco coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And then I'll be off to Vegas for about a week uh, for the AWS conference. So we're hosting a booth there. And so I'll be there and we'll do dinners and things. But so I'm nice. just gearing up. <laughs> but <laughs> We'll rotate. <laughs> yeah, we'll rotate. But um you know, I, I was thinking about this morning um, and, and I sent you a text and I said, hey, why don't we talk about user groups? You know, because yeah. you guys have done some really cool things over this last year. And, you know, it just got me thinking, like, you know, that's a program that I think is um, is huge within community, uh, within community practices. And, and you guys have done some good things. So what do you think? I think that sounds great. You know, we're we're just hitting our one year anniversary since we launched our user groups at Zendesk. So it's a great time to reflect on it a little bit. Good. And, you know, how does that user group come about? How did you kind of, how, how does Zendesk kind of think about that? And what, why, why are you guys doing it? What's the... You know, it really came from listening to our customers. And that's that's where I think everything in community should come from is, is understanding what the people that you're trying to engage need and want and make sure you're serving that. And we heard it from customers, you know, in meetings and at webinars and things, but particularly once we got our community events off the ground and we were doing these, uh, that was where we had like tried to do AMAs and then they turned into webinars because everybody wanted to watch it and not just read it. Um, and then we, you know, we always allow, right. right. So it just evolved. It's it's something. Um, but we always allowed live Q and A and questions and, the two things that we heard were customers were like, these are really great, but we want to hear more from other customers. And so they love it when we have other customers as guests, speakers at the webinars, but they also loved like talking to each other in the chat. And they're like, is there, is there like a way we can just like get together and do this? Mm-hmm. They're like, we don't necessarily even need Zendesk there. We just all want to get together and like have more of these conversations. And we literally had somebody post in our community, like, Hey, give us the keys to the castle. Let us self-organize. And we were like, okay, let's do it. And you know, user groups are a great way to not only let your customers or your your membership connect with one another, but it's a scalable program. We knew we weren't going to be able to 
keep adding more webinars and events or hosting everything ourselves. And so it was really that question of like, how can we empower our community to do this at scale so that we can offer these small group sort of campfire opportunities for people to connect without us having to staff like 30 meetups a month. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was really kind of where it came from was users just saying like, Hey, we just, we just want to talk to each other more and, you know, help us be able to do that. Help us help facilitate that for us. Before we get into, we might get into some tactical questions here, but before we get yeah. into that, you know, what, so this came about users were saying we want it more and, and, and it's more scalable because you allow them to um, kind of host it on their own. How do you, how does that work? I mean, you know, uh, how do how do users kind of do that themselves? And you know, what's the what what what's the business outcomes that you guys are trying to to do? You know, create. Yeah, so we're focused a lot on customer retention, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, like it's a really important thing, <clears throat> and there's a lot of engines in the marketing world around driving new business, driving expansion mm-hmm. business. And so we really see our sweet spot as being able to help retain people. <clears throat> and a big part of retention is relationship building, right? That's yeah. the whole value proposition of, of community in general. The more that your customers are, feel connected with you, feel connected with each other, feel like they can solve problems collaboratively, the more likely they are to stick around even when things come up that they kind of got to work through with your product or your tool or whatever service you're offering. Um, and so that was that's really the focus for us is understanding like how can we get, you know, a lot of customers engaged in these things. Yeah. And then over time looking at um do customers that participate in our user groups seem to stick around longer than customers that don't. Now, that's a long tail play, right? Those are metrics yeah. that we won't have probably for years. Um but that's ultimately the way that we're going to and looking at it. <clears throat> it does right. depend on the renewal. Um, we do track our our attribution metrics as well to see, you know, does this lead to expansion business? Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. The program isn't optimized for that though. So, you know, I always look at those numbers and kind of take it with a grain of salt of like, hey, this isn't our primary objective. Attribution's great, but it's icing on the cake for this program. Yeah. Um so really it's it's understanding are we creating meaningful relationships? Are we substantively impacting people's ability to use the tool. And so a lot of it is really qualitative data. It's going out and asking people, hey, is this valuable to you? Is this helping you? And we get a resounding yes whenever we ask. So that's really kind of what we're looking at right now is, is the program growing? Are we touching a lot of people? And then qualitatively, when we ask them, are they telling us that they're finding this valuable and helpful? Yeah. And I would think that any program like this is Look, it's only been around for a year, you know, maybe another year from now, two years from now, you can really kind of advance the program and to say, hey, this does help with retention or it does help with expansion or it does help with new business or net new type of stuff. Right. You know, but I agree. I mean, you got to grow it just like a community, right? Like an online Mm -hmm. community, you grow it and you have some basic numbers to say, hey, we're getting this many people coming into the community or user groups. We've got this many chapter leaders or whatever. So I, I completely agree and, and get that, you know, sometimes <laughs> I just want to dive in. What's the goal? What's the, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? Well, maybe this probably, we'll see, you know? Um, yeah. How do you kind of, I, I guess, as I kind of envision this, envision this it's just because I understand to some degree, understand what you guys are doing, but you know, when you look at 
how you support your user group, you know, uh, I guess you call them chapter leaders. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. How do you support those guys and, and how do you help them become successful and being like a chapter leader? Yeah, it was interesting as we launched the, the program to really think about the infrastructure of it and what people are going to need in order to be successful with it. And I think there are really simple ways that you can launch a program like this and get it off the ground. But I wanted to make sure that we were offering something really comprehensive. And part of that is it's challenging to keep volunteers engaged in any kind of volunteer yep. program, right? Because people have full-time jobs. They have other priorities. Yep. They're doing these things for you know probably one of two reasons. One, they're just really intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Or two, they're trying to build up experience or their own professional profile. And so yeah. <clears throat> one of the keys to keeping volunteers engaged is making it as easy as possible for them to follow through with the thing that they've committed to doing. And so we really thought about how we were going to recruit, who we were going to recruit, and then how we were going to empower them to be successful. One of the things that we learned from our community moderator program is that we have the most success when we recruit people into leadership roles who are showing that they have an intrinsic motivation. Mm. The people that not only raise their hands, but also that have demonstrated that they will show up over and over. So we're looking, you know, for people who are being proactive. We already know them, whether it's because they're participating in the online community or they come to a lot of the webinars or they're the people that are really active in chats or, you know, maybe it's the person that posts a bunch on Reddit, but somebody who's already engaging (laughs) with the brand pretty frequently is likely to continue doing it. And so maybe they're just looking for a new way to do it. So that's one piece. That doesn't necessarily exclude people that aren't being active, but we know that that's like a good green flag for somebody, right? If yeah. if they're already showing up, they're already creating time in their week to participate in these kinds of things. Um, and then we do a pretty thorough onboarding. So we interview them, you know, almost not, not quite like a job interview, but we do want to like make sure it's a good fit and make sure people understand what they're committing to when they come into the program. And then we do a sort of cohort-based onboarding. So we'll do an hour-long virtual session where we'll walk them through you know, we use Bevy to power it. So how to use Bevy. We created a bunch of materials for them. So we hand them a kit of like, here's slide templates you can use to build out slides for your meetups. Here are um, email banners and social media things. And we give them all sorts of marketing sort of creative assets that they can use. And a lot of them, uh, we set it up so that they can customize them, right? So they can put their city skyline in or something that's like relevant to their group. This still keeps it cohesive with the Zendesk brand, um, but lets them have a little bit of of control and autonomy with that. And then um, we give them a couple of different things. So we do that onboarding. In that onboarding, we hand them this playbook that is like step-by-step instructions on how to do just about everything that they would Hmm. possibly need to do. Um, We invited them to a private Slack space so that they can communicate with each okay. other and they can communicate with us so they can share best practices. They can ask us questions. You know, that's been especially helpful when they're looking for a guest speaker to come in and they can get hold of us to source that. Um, and then we do a quarterly town hall where we bring all of these folks together. We give them an opportunity. We let, we always set aside time for the more experienced leaders to share things that they've learned or for the more, the newer people to ask questions about how other people handle different things. Um, we share some of the stuff that's going on at Zendesk, you know, give them a, a little peek behind the curtain as sort of a Love perk it. for being a group leader. Um, and then we also do a little bit of professional development. So in every town hall, I try to do a little, you know, 
10 or 15 minute workshop on something that is a skill that will help them be a good group leader, but that would also help them in their normal day-to-day work. So we did one in the first town hall on how to promote your events on social media and just some best practices for that. We did another one on how to build good slides. Um, We're looking at other things of like how to write an effective meeting agenda, how to send good follow-ups from a meeting, um, that kind of thing. And then we just sort of added a couple. Sorry. Do you engage your training Uh, team at all? No. Okay. No, I've just been building it out so far. The training team's pretty busy with their, their day jobs. (laughs) Um, Although that would be a great resource for us to tap into. So thank you for calling that out, Chris. Training team. You always talk about about (laughs) collaboration with other teams. So I thought I'd bring it up. (laughs) That's a good point. It's a good point for sure. Um, But yeah, then we've just done little things. Like I do a Tuesday tip of the week in Slack just to remind people like, hey, here's a best practice. Make sure you put your guest speaker's face on the social media promotions Mm. (laughs) and things like that. And then we're really trying to build out a resource library. So we want to offer every quarter, we provide them with a content kit, we call it. And so it's sort of a meetup in a box, right? Where we put together a deck um, around a topic that is a hot topic at Zendesk. So often it's related to a product release or some thematic thing that we're covering. And so at least once a quarter, they have a meetup that they don't have to figure out what the topic's going to be. They can just use this. And then over time, we're building up like a library of these. Um, We're also hoping in the future to build out this library with some evergreen things as well. So maybe it's not one of the quarterly hot topics, but, you know, for example, one of the popular meetup themes this year has been... um, They've been calling it, there's an app for that where they, everybody comes in and shares the different apps that they're using to extend Zendesk. And so I want to build out a kit for that to help people facilitate that conversation. So again, just try to like put things in their hands that make it easy for them to know what to do, because these are volunteers. They're not necessarily marketers. They're not necessarily people that are used to leading events. And so there's just some basic skills that we can really share with people to help make it really easy for them to lead these groups successfully. What's something that's really surprised you when building this, you know, like, is there an aha moment? Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that or whatever. Um, one, it was the communication channels have changed. So I mentioned that we've got that Slack instance. Yeah. And some people really use it, but some really don't. And so with other programs, we've had more success just getting everybody in a Slack channel and using it. And with this program, we've found, and this one's a little bit more distributed worldwide. Yeah. So we've got some very different um, business cultures That's and things like that. Yeah. So we're we're finding we have to do more like sending out the same message three different ways so that we hit mm-hmm. everybody on their preferred channels, um, which is a little bit different. The other wasn't one was that um, we've decided to let the groups form very organically. And so from the launch of the program, we have always uh, had a suggest a chapter button on the site where people can come in and say, hey, I would like to have a group about this. And in the hybrid world, one of the big different things that we did was that we said, hey, you don't have to meet in person. These don't have to be city-based. And most of the groups have opted to stay virtual, even as we've opened up budget and opportunities for people to meet in person. I think it's easier for everybody to host the virtual events, to attend the virtual events, right? If we're all working from home, it's easier to jump on another Zoom call than it is to like, get in the car and go somewhere. Um, And so really like the groups that have taken off the most have been interest-based or role-based more than location-based. And so that has been a different direction for user groups to go than I think they traditionally have. Um, And then the last piece of that was that we thought 
we kind of predicted like where we thought user groups would form and what they would form around. Yeah. And it's been kind of different from what we expected. We were like, okay, obviously like New York, LA, yeah. the Bay area, but those areas actually have a lot of tech meetups and different things. And so we've That's actually right. seen a lot more interest from somebody in Iowa <laughs> cities. Yeah. I mean, things in the middle of the country where like, there's yeah. not a lot of other opportunities. And so of the location-based ones, it's been places we didn't expect um, and then the groups that are the biggest ones are actually things that are role-based. So, you know, we've got a group for community managers, we've got one for developers, we've got one for administrators. And those are the groups that have really taken off where people are connected with other folks that are in the same role, doing the same job there, which Not makes surprised. a ton of sense when you think about it, but yeah. it wasn't what we had initially predicted or expected. People think it's funny because businesses often think that, oh, we need this by industry or we need this, you know what I mean? Like, and, as, and I'm a big, and maybe it's because I came from Forrester Research and back in the day when I was at Forrester, we cared about role base the most, right? We believe that CIOs, enterprise architects, or CMOs are doing very similar things no matter what industry they are in. Not to say yep. not specific industry-focused things, There's, there is, but for sure. the most part, a lot of these people are doing very similar things on a daily basis. They're building mm -hmm. different programs that are, you know, similar to other programs within any other industry. So, um, so I agree. I mean, I'm a big role-based and that's kind of how I set up. I don't have any industry-based communities. I'm not saying you shouldn't. What I'm saying is, is that, you know, when you start off building communities, content is a lot easier to build more of a role-based or, you know, mm -hmm. But rather than just going into specific industries, especially if you're a team of you know one or two people, it's it's a lot harder. Anyways, I digress a little bit. Um, is there when you kind of look at these user groups, um, you know, and and when you were I had I had a bunch of questions uh, ready to go, and one uh, kind of slipped my mind, but I was thinking about like, oh, you know, is there any kind of like whenever you start it, is it Hey, how many people are they bringing in? Is it a lot? Is it, you know, do you help them kind of market the uh, yeah. the group and things like that? Yeah, that's been one of the interesting challenges is, okay, we have a program to market. We have individual chapters we can promote. Yeah. We have individual events within each chapter we yeah. can promote. And so it's been interesting wrapping our heads around the marketing strategy. And I, you know, I don't know if we've nailed it yet. I think that we're we're getting there. We've gotten good at sort of optimizing and, and prioritizing like which things to promote when and um, tying things together thematically as much as possible. So we do help market them quite a bit. Um, I do a lot. <laughs> if you follow me on LinkedIn, you've probably seen all sorts of posts about different user group meetups mm -hmm. that have been happening this year and things like that. Um, so we do that. We do a lot of internal social promotion, getting other team members to share out on social media, um, including things in newsletters working on some targeted emails for, for specific groups. So there's that kind of thing. Um, what we see is when a group first launches, there's like five or six people that sign up yeah. for the first, probably two to three meetups, I would say. Um, and then it starts to take off. And usually by the third or fourth meetup, we're seeing it hit like 15 registrations or so. And you're still seeing probably a 40% like RSVP to attendance yeah. rate, which 40% is pretty good. And I think that surprises a lot of people when they first launch groups, they expect like, well, if people are signing up, of course they're going to come. It's 
No, a lot of people sign up with good intentions. They do aspirational yeah. RSVPing and that's fine. I mean, I do that too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, you I would say like set that do. expectation of 40%. And it's a conversation we have to have with the user group leaders because oftentimes they host that first event and only like two or three yeah. people come and they're really disappointed. And we're like, that's great. You, yeah, you know, you got to start somewhere. Once it hits the mark where they're getting like 15 to 20 RSVPs, that's where it seems to start to kind of take on a life of its own. Mm. And you don't have to market as much and you're still getting those signups and those people are, are coming in. Our largest group now regularly sees 150 registrations and about 70 or 80 people show up, which we probably need to split that group so they can have more conversation because that's a lot of people to get on a Zoom call. Um, but I think it's really uh, key to understand what that life cycle is. And, and, you know, we had to run it for six months to find out, hey, yeah. what is the typical thing that we're seeing? How many people show up? Um, how do you need to market it? Some of the other best practices we've really learned and, you know, the things that make a ton of sense when you look back on it, but we kind of had to see it to, to believe it, I guess, was making sure that groups are holding meetups on a regular basis, Yeah. right? Like if they say, Hey, we're going to meet at noon on the third Thursday of the month, every month, those are the groups that are growing the best the yeah. ones that have a consistent time that everybody can plan around. And I think it's partly the, the planning, but it's also partly for the group leader. If every time you host an event, you have to then be like, okay, well, when's my next one going to be? How am I going to do that one? Yeah. Is a lot trickier than just saying, hey, I just know that the third Thursday of the month, I'm going to do this thing and I got to have my content ready. Um, there's just something psychological to that planning piece. So that's really what we've we've kind of figured out is that's what it looks like. And then, you know, you just kind of have to let them grow organically and you you push where you can. But the whole point of user groups is that it's, grassroots and it's community led and the leaders really get a lot of leadership and ownership of it. And I think it's really awesome experience for them. If they're looking to get a promotion, demonstrate leadership capabilities, maybe people are looking to become people managers. This is a great way to get some experience with managing a program or working with volunteers, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, so far so good. <laughs> Do you find um, that people that are joining these are generally individual contributors that are trying to grow their uh, branding or, you know, for themselves and or career, or are you also seeing like director level people that already own teams that are wanting to get more of that? What kind of folks are you finding, you know, leading these? I would say the leaders are often people kind of in the like manager, senior manager, sometimes a director level. Um, but it's typically people who are trying to build their career. Right. And okay. so this is like a great way for them to get some experience and so show some leadership and that kind of thing. Um, we find some of our partners are really great at leading these groups mm -hmm. too. Um, we have some one. pretty firm rules about like, you can't form the user group just to market to them all the time. But a lot of our partners, you know, just want to build up their, their network and their yeah. sort of brand affinity without selling. And so yeah. it's a really great way for them to connect with uh, other customers. And a lot of them have, you know, great solutions for people. So it's a good way to offer those uh, intersections for everyone. Um, so yeah, I would say it's, it tends to be sort of like mid to senior level management that's coming in and doing it. Now we see people all across the board, the, the titles that show up to participate in the groups, it depends yeah. on the group a lot, right? Obviously the ones that are by title are all going to be at a similar level and things like that. Um, but we, especially with the smaller businesses, you know, sometimes you're yeah. seeing 
somebody who is the CEO and head of support <laughs> or something like that, showing CEO up to a meetup and that kind of thing. We do also have pretty robust executive community programming in some different yep. programs. So typically our VP plus titles are going to more of those curated experiences and that kind of thing. But it, it's kind of across the board and we're, we're open to whatever people want to come in and do. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, having program, we've talked about this before, but, you know, depending on who these people are, you have to have programs that engage them because they want to engage in different ways, whether it's live webinars, whether it's Q&A kind of on the forums or user groups or executive programs like, you know, like like you mentioned. So I think that is a key, you know, kind of thing that we should tell our own executives or our folks because like, well, why aren't CIOs or CDOs coming to your user groups? Well, that's not for, I mean, they can go, but, you know, they're probably not going to engage in that kind of stuff. They want to engage at kind of this level, right? You know, and, and, you know, so people have different reasons of doing things and, you know, you have to build those programs to engage them. Um, one question I had around, you know, when you get started, it seems like always the hardest is, you know, yeah, I'm Chris Detzel, I'm in your user group and I'm like, I don't really know anybody in the community, but, you know, like, how do I invite somebody to it? You know, what do I do? You know, how do you kind of, I know this is kind of the onboarding piece. I'm sure it's in that, you know, how do you kind of just start and go, you know, like once I have all the information that you sent to me in the kit, just schedule something and then yeah. I use my own Zoom or, oh, well, Bevy has stuff in their pro their virtual stuff that they can do, right? Yep. So like I said, we, we run it all through the Bevy uh, yeah, software. Yeah. And so um, basically each user group leader gets their chapter page. So we create that for them. Okay. So they've got a, a spot where they can post their events and they have a, a level of access where they can create new events and post them to share them with people. Sorry, I had to grab a sip of water there. Um, no worries. We all get talking a lot today, talking Chris. a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so they get their chapter page, they can promote stuff there. And our goal is by the end of the onboarding that they get their first meetup scheduled. Okay. And you know, you definitely want it to be three or four weeks out or even a little bit more. So you've got plenty of time to get the word out about it. Um, sometimes people are like, great, I'm going to host one on Wednesday. And it's like, well, uh, you know, people got to sign up and make time on their calendars and things like that. So give yourself a little window there. Excitement's um, good. Love it. Like love the enthusiasm, uh, yep. but let's talk about marketing. Um, so yeah, we, we try to get them to to schedule that first event because that's really the biggest thing is getting over the hump of like, what's that first one going to be? We yeah. do have, you know, a pretty good content kit for like, here's your first meetup. Mm. Here are the questions to ask. Here's some discussion to have. Here's some resources to share with everybody. So again, we're trying to make it really easy for people to get through that first one. And usually at that first meetup, they'll get one or two people to come and say, well, we want to talk about this next time. Great. And now you've got your theme for the next one. You already know what your recurring time is going to be. You can get that next event scheduled. Um, another best practice we always tell people is try to always have your next event on the calendar so that yeah. you can end every event telling people when the next time you're going to get together is because that continuity is really valuable for people. So they don't leave and they're like, I don't know when I'm going to see these people again, but rather they feel like, oh, there's always a next time that I know when I'm going to show up and come. So yeah, that's the key is that they get that first event scheduled. Um, and then we do a little bit more marketing at first on their behalf to try to get those first group members. But then what happens is people come and they join that bevy chapter. So then they get notifications whenever a new event gets yeah. scheduled. 
And so that's why we say like it's three or four meetups and then you kind of build up a critical mass yep. of people who are getting those notifications on a regular basis and it starts to snowball. It's just like community, you know, like that's what happens. 100%. Yeah, love it. Um, no, I think that's that's uh, that's really awesome. Uh, when you kind of look at and, and talking more about the business side uh, than the users on this particular question is when you look at uh, um, pushing all those contacts into, you know, how do you kind of, Think about that. Like, does it go from, you know, into Bevy to like Salesforce or your CRM or those kinds of things? And then you're starting to kind of track different things. How does that work? You know, from a business. Yeah. So we we do connect it with our CRM so that we can keep track of who's showing up. And that's kind of how we get that attribution data as well, right? All of yeah. our attribution metrics are run through that. And so we can understand who's who's coming. Um, and then it connects into their account activity. So we know. If you've come to three meetups and then made a new purchase, we can we can look at that and we can talk about that user group as one of the touch points that impacted yeah. that purchase and that kind of thing. Um, we're always looking for better ways to share that information. You know, we definitely want to make sure that like our success managers and our AEs know which of their customers are engaging in different programs. Yes. Um, I think that that's super valuable information for them to have to maintain that relationship really effectively. Um, you know, I also want to make sure that those teams are empowered if, if we're hearing from a customer that they're unhappy about something or that they're thrilled about something, we want to make sure those teams know those things too. Yeah. And that's a little bit trickier to figure out how to <laughs> automate. Um, but I think that that is where community becomes so valuable, right? Like imagine if you're trying to maintain a relationship with a customer and somebody pinged you and said, Hey, next time you talk to your customer, you might want to ask them about X, Y, Z. We saw them sharing about this at a user group seems like they're having some struggles that you could help with. And then as a customer, wouldn't that be great surprise and delight to have your CSM reach out right when you're having a moment of struggle and say, Hey, I, you know, I heard through the grapevine, you're, you're struggling with your reporting. Let me see how I can help you. That's really where the magic is. And that's going to be a customer oh, that's going to feel really well taken care of. This is crazy that you brought that up because yesterday, just yesterday, my boss was like, Chris, you know, you're doing the executive council community stuff. You're doing these shows or webinars, all these things. How are we getting the information out to one, you know, what these guys are talking about to your, you know, CSMs, to the product teams, to AEs and things like that. How are you doing that? Or how, not how are we doing? We should think about how we can get that information out to those folks so that they can react and engage in some of those discussions and know what's going on in these accounts. And I'm like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. It's a, uh, it's not the easiest thing to automate. Right. And no, one of the skill sets of, of really great community managers is that they can keep track of all that kind of information and whether they're keeping it in a, a document or just holding it in their head or something like that it's that ability to see something and connect the dots and be like, yeah. oh, I saw this user provided three pieces of feedback over here. And then they asked these questions over here. And then they came to this meetup and I'm getting right. a picture that they're struggling with something. And now I'm going to package that up and hand it off to somebody who can engage in a one-on-one -on -one setting with them around it. You know, but even if you can only do that for a handful of people, that's a really important Thing to do for that handful of people. And I, I think that the more that you can build out processes where you're regularly looking at those things and starting to yeah. understand, hey, who is being active? Who is sharing a lot of information or asking a lot of questions about something? Where can I feed that into the business? That's where okay. you're really going to have the most success. 
think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, but one thing I would say is for those that are listening is we are very good at that. You know, I, I know I can sit there and, and, and obviously you're very good at it and say, Hey, these things are happening in this account happen on the executive council on community or whatever. And the same kind of customers doing this thing. Um, but we're not scale. You can't scale that, right? Like you got to figure out a way to, you know, capture those conversations that are going on and then pushing it out and getting access, give access to those people that need access to it some way, somehow yeah. in an automated way. Um, and I, I, and I, I know how to do some of that. Um, but we, I think we as community leaders need to, to do a better job. Anyways, Nicole, well, this is, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, just on that point before we wrap up, because boy, we, that conversation went by fast. Um, I'm hopeful that this is where some of the new technologies can come in, right? I'm hopeful that this is where AI can start to help. I'm hopeful that the companies that are out there building platforms can start thinking about like, what are ways that you could capture notes on an account and automatically connect that into a Salesforce or a Gainsight or another CRM, you know? If you're building a platform out there, like it'd be great to help us automate some of those activities and some of those insights. And it's it's not easy because it is qualitative data. But if we can start to create those pipelines and automate that and make it easy, community is going to continue to become a more and more valuable and helpful part of a business. So. Well, and interesting that you say that is, and we'll wrap up. But is there are technologies? in some ways doing some things like that. Like example, we're on a Zoom call today and this Zoom can capture our conversation of what we're talking about, you know, just in a summary format. It's not perfect yet, but, and what it does is it produces an output of our conversation, sends me an email and says, hey, this is what y'all talked about. Here's the outcomes, here's the next steps and everything else. And so when you start thinking about that piece, these live webinars that we do, the, you know, meetups that we do that are live on virtual, those kinds of things, and then allowing it to be pushed into, you know, uh, some CRM or whatever. It's a little harder because, I mean, now you got to think of different accounts, you know, was this account, that mm-hmm. account, that, whatever, but is there a way to capture that and push it somewhere where everybody can have access and see it? You know what I mean? Like, to capture the conversation. I don't know. But there's a lot, I, I think the potential starting to, to, open up, you know? And so, um, well, Nicole, it's been really, really, a, a nice conversation. I really loved, uh, getting to know what you guys are doing with your user groups and how you built it, what, how it came about yeah. and, you know, some of those things. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. Like I said, we're, we're celebrating our one year anniversary of user groups. It's a really exciting time for us. And it's, uh, there's going to be so much more to come. You know, it's really interesting to see just one year in what you can build. And also yeah. how much opportunity there is going forward. And there could be like a, a, a conversation in the next several months around, you know, what's to come in the next two to three years? What does this mean to you and and kind of the future of, you know, Zendesk user groups or something like that? I don't know. Absolutely. So, well, you know, we're we're looking to scale. We, we want to bring more groups on board. We want to keep inviting people in. So I'll just do a very brief plug that yeah. if you're a Zendesk user and you want to come join us, check us out at usergroups.zendesk.com. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to another Peers Over Beers. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Nicole Saunders. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Nicole.